0: I'm not on. Am I on now? All right. You mean that was, that was just me being really loud? That was great. Okay. <laughs> there we go. We good? Are we good? I think we're good. I'm just going to go. We're going to go and that's it. All right, here we go. All right. So now let's turn in our Bibles to John 14, verses 12 through 14. And we'll begin this morning reading the truth of God's word. John 14, starting in verse 12. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, those verses that we just read, Are some of the greatest verses in your whole Bible. And yet, Lord, these verses are some of the most abused and misunderstood verses that there are. I pray, God, this morning that you would help us, Lord, to see what it is that you are telling us through these three verses. I praise you and thank you for your word, Lord. And I ask that you would speak through me, Lord, the truth that you have for us this morning and open our hearts to hear it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So there's going to be like four things. Well, really three things, three things I want us to learn today. And the first one is what does it mean to do great works for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God? And the second one is, is what does Jesus promise of prayer really mean? to us in his name and three is what does praying with the right kingdom mindset look like these are the three things that i hope that at the end of today that we'll have a greater understanding of but let's start out in verse 12 because verse 12 man that is just an incredibly powerful verse in and of itself and almost like john 14 6 where Matt did a sermon basically just on that one verse. We can almost do an entire message on John 14:12. But let's look at it and break this verse down together, okay? Verse 12 says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I have done, and greater works than these will he do. Why? Because I am going to the Father." Jesus begins verse 12 with an emphatic, truly, truly, which is actually, amen, amen. Jesus is pleading. He is pleading with his disciples to say, listen to me. This is so incredibly important for you to hear. I am saying this, so I need all eyes on me right now. And if he was talking to us today, he would say, put down your phone and look at me. Look at me. Hear what I have to say. And then he says, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father. I mean, does that not like just shake your world up a little bit when you hear Jesus say those words to us? When we read that and we think, wow, that had to be a very heavy thing for his disciples to hear. But the, but the, the thing is that we have to remember is that Jesus is also speaking this in a future tense. So this is not just for those disciples, but this is also for us as well, that we Are going to do the works that Jesus did. But even greater things. Than Jesus did. But here's the catch. And don't miss this. And remember the audience to who he's talking to. He's talking to the believers. His disciples. He says. Whoever believes in me. So even though. They had a belief in Jesus, and they had been around him for three years. Jesus was challenging their belief, their faith. He was asking them to examine themselves and to remind themselves that if you believe in me, this is for you. So the question, you know, that we ask ourselves is like these greater works. We think about what it is that Jesus did. Jesus raised the dead. Jesus healed the deaf and the blind, the sick, those who are handicapped? Can we perfect those things? Can we raise the dead more perfectly than Jesus? Has anyone here ever raised anyone from the dead? I haven't. I haven't. So what is Jesus talking about? Because of course we can't perfect on those things. What are these greater works that he is talking about. Well, in this verse, there's like four things, three to four things that we want to look at. The first one is a belief in Jesus. This is essential to see in this verse because if we do not have faith in Christ, then all of this becomes irrelevant. Everything that Jesus says next is predicated on the fact that we have a belief and a faith in Jesus Christ. Like we said, he was talking to his 11 disciples, and he was challenging them on their faith. So I ask you, do you even know Jesus? Do you believe in him? Have you ever even heard of him? Do you understand who he is? Do you see him as your Lord and Savior in your life, the one who transformed your life and forgave your sins? And if you haven't this morning, then we need to have a talk. But I don't want you to check out, as I said earlier, I want you to pay attention to what we have to say. Because maybe what I have to say next through this message will help you to desire to have a relationship with Jesus. Number two, the the second thing I want to point out is that if you do believe in Jesus, that you will do the same works that he does. In other words, you know, and we see in the book of Acts that the disciples did raise the dead. They did heal the blind and the sick. They did the things that Jesus did. But what Jesus is talking about is not the more spectacular miracles and healings. He's talking about a greater volume of works. He's talking about taking and spreading the kingdom of God. And we have the book of Acts. The book of Acts is is a testimony to Jesus' words coming true. We look in the book of Acts, and we see in chapter 2 that the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and then shortly after that, Peter begins to preach, and in Acts 2.41, we're told that 3,000 new believers were added to the kingdom that day. It went from The thing was like 150 believers to 3,000 believers in one sermon by a fisherman. Why? Because Jesus gave him the Holy Spirit. Acts 5 12 through 16 gives us a, a really large overview of what was going on during that time. Starting in verse 12 of Acts 5, it says Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So that even they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. And get this, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. Peter's shadow. And the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. And again, that's just one example through the book of Acts. I challenge you that if you haven't read the book of Acts in a while, go and read it and see the testimony of Jesus' words that his apostles, his disciples would do the greater works of the kingdom come true. But I don't want us to get caught up in the spectacular miracles. I want us to see this in in verse 14. It says, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, Because that's what Jesus wants us to focus on. We like to think about all the spectacular stuff, but what Jesus wants us to focus on is saved souls. Coming from death to life in Christ. And the third thing is that he says in verse 12 is, in fact, if you believe in me, if you believe in Jesus, you will do greater works than he did. Again, how could that be possible that we could do even greater works than him? Because then he says, it's because he's going to the Father. And what does that mean? Well, we have to think about that because this is a whole clue to this whole verse, how this whole verse could possibly be true. We must keep in mind that Jesus is still hours away from going to the cross and dying for our sins. He's three and a half days from his resurrection. He's just over a month from ascending and sitting down at the right hand of the Father where his work will be complete. It will be finished. And then Jesus will be our advocate for all eternity, our witness before the Father. Because Jesus' work at that moment while he was talking to his disciples had not yet been completed because his body was bound in his human body, His work was only where he was. He couldn't be everywhere at that time because he was in a human body. He never left Palestine. He never left Palestine. We see in John where he does heal from a distance at times, but that wasn't what he normally did. And his message of hope in the coming of his kingdom was still limited at that time because he hadn't been to the cross and he hadn't been resurrected, and the power of the Holy Spirit hadn't been sent to the believers. So Jesus is saying to his disciples and through them to us that the greater works that he is talking about is not just the more spectacular or remarkable miracles because we can't really do anything more remarkable and spectacular than he did. What he is talking about is the magnitude and the volume of works that the disciples perform, That the number of believers and people who came to Christ was so much greater than what he did while he was on earth at that time. Because this message of hope was about to go global. It was about to leave Jerusalem and Israel and go out into the world. And as we look into the book of Acts again and we see Paul, the missionary, who went and took the message of hope to Asia. He spread the gospel out. The message of hope went worldwide, and we see that now today. The message of hope has been shared through most of the world today. Every continent, Jesus' word of hope has been spoken. Jesus' words that we would do greater works, we should have no doubt, because we can see that it is true. There's still healings. There's still spectacular things that happen throughout the world in his name. But it is the saving of souls that is important. J.C. Ryle, the great pastor and theologian in the 19th century, said this He said, The greater works mean more conversions. And there is no greater work than the conversion of a soul. In the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 16-20 we're commanded by Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. And behold, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We are called to preach and teach and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message of hope to the hopeless, to the friendless, to the homeless, to the outcasts, and even the kings and the leaders of nations. To those who are in high finance or those who have all that the world may want them to have. Riches beyond riches. Even the poor of the poor. No one is exempt from needing the good news because we're all sinners and this should get us fired up and excited but if you're not participating in that right now you might be a little nervous maybe a little scared but we can see that we have success as we talked about the gospel is spreading throughout the world even now as we sit here today let me ask you a question do you believe that Jesus has called you to do greater works than he has? If you say you believe in him and his word, then your answer must be a resounding yes. You can't say no. Because then if you say no, you're admitting that you don't believe Jesus' own words. So I ask you again, do you believe Jesus and that's the question that every one of us must answer there is no option and if you can't say yes then you need to examine your heart and where you stand with Jesus and his word and now is the time to do that time is of the essence do not wait See me or Matt or Don or anyone else who's here today who loves Jesus, and we can help you find your way back to him or for the first time. Our mission statement and our vision statement here at Calvary La Junta, our mission statement says this, to glorify God by making joyful, passionate disciples of Jesus Christ. And our vision is to make Jesus Christ non-ignorable in La Junta and to the ends of the earth. As a church, we stand by Jesus' promise to do the greater works that he has called us to do. But in order for that to happen, we as individuals must gather together and participate in order to spread his kingdom out into the Arkansas Valley together. What a great call we have. Well, I know some of you are going to say, well, Scott, that's great. How do we make that happen? How do we get from where we are right now? And how do we as mere humans do these greater things? And you know what? I'm really glad you asked me that question today. Because these next verses, they're going to help us to see. Because Jesus gives us the answer. So let's read them together. Starting in verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, that if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And we see right away that Jesus gives us a promise, but not just any promise, but a promise, and he puts his name, his guarantee on it. The first thing that we must see in this, though, that I have to point out to you, and sometimes we don't understand this, that praying in Jesus' name is no small thing. Let's not overlook the importance of that part of Jesus' promise. Because God protects his name. He is jealous for his name. Exodus 34, 14 says this, for you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. And prayer is worship, and not any more so than when we pray it in Jesus' holy name. Isaiah forty eight eleven. For my own sake, for my own sake I do it, for how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Jesus answering our prayers, it brings glory to his Father. He says so. His name will not be profaned because God cannot lie. He protects his name, and when he pray in Jesus' name, we have a guarantee. Ezekiel 39.25 says, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Now I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel. And I will be jealous for my holy name. You see, God is jealous for his holy name. He protects his name. He does not give us that promise. That is not a flippant thing to pray in Jesus' name. And his kingdom will expand by that name for his own glory. Amen. Is that not an incredible promise? So do you see what Jesus is telling us there by praying in his name, when you pray in Jesus' name, I hope that means more to you now than it did before you got here this morning. He will not tolerate his people to worship anyone or anything other than him. God will not have his name tarnished or profaned. An illustration that I thought of, and I have to admit I thought of Dawn, when I thought of this illustration. It's like a contractor. and he comes to his client, he has a contract with the list of the services that he promises to, excuse me, to do to his standard. And he signs his name to it as you sign your name to it. And he's, a, if he's a contractor of any repute whatsoever, it will be to his standard because he doesn't want his name tarnished. He wants more business. So if he wants more business, then of course he has to do a good job. He has to live up to his promise. Can you imagine how much greater that is for Jesus to give us the promise of his name? That contract signed by him that if we ask him anything, that he will give it to us. So let us understand that Jesus is giving us a tremendous privilege to pray. In his holy name. So then you might ask. Well then what kinds of things should we pray about. That brings glory to the father. And as we have just learned throughout the last week. And really throughout the entire study of John. Is that Jesus and the father they are one substance. So they are perfectly the same. So the kind of prayers that Jesus is promising. Promising. To answer our prayers that are kingdom-minded. Praying for things we need to spread out. His kingdom to the glory of the Father. Like provisions to move the kingdom forward. Like unity of the body. Raising leaders. Purity of the people. Defeating sin in our lives. I'm not talking about just forgiveness and getting through it until the next time we do the same thing. I'm saying we can ask Jesus to defeat that sin, put a dagger in its heart, and it is gone. Those are the power. That is the power of Jesus' name. He took those sins to the cross, and he nailed them there. And we have his guarantee that if we ask him, he will defeat sin in our life. It's like asking God to increase our faith, to give us a bolder way of sharing our faith with people. And not only that, but to ask him to bring multitudes of people in our lives that we can share it with. We need to pray greater prayers. We need to trust that Jesus guarantee that he will answer these things for us. We need to become better preachers, teachers, evangelists. We need to become more mercy-minded, generous with our provisions. And it includes other things, but it's all kingdom-minded. We need greater love for those who are loveless and that our love would grow. Jesus calls on us, in fact, promises us that if we pray In full faith and belief for these things. That he will help us fulfill. The spreading of the kingdom of God. This is high worship. This is the worship of our God. Who we say we believe in. To take God at his word. To take Jesus at his word. And ask him to. Increase our spiritual gifts and to give us more power for His glory. This is what Jesus is saying. Again, J.C. Ryle says this. He says, "How is it that many true Christians have so little? How is it that they go halting and mourning on the way to heaven and enjoy so little peace and show, so, show, so show so easy for me to say." show so little strength in Christ's service. It's simple. They have not because they ask not, as James 4.2 says. They are not better than they are because they do not ask their Lord to make them better. He that does much for Christ and leaves his mark in the world will always prove to be one who prays much How much do you pray? How big are your prayers? How much faith do you have in Jesus Christ to answer your prayers? Now I realize that there's an elephant in the room. Prayers that we have all prayed and God either seems to have said no or he hasn't answered. And I cannot in good conscience stand here and give this message without addressing that issue. And in order for us to be able to attempt to answer that, we must look to Scripture. James 1.6, we're going to be in James a little bit here. James 1.6 says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Are you experiencing doubt in your life? Do you truly believe that Jesus will fulfill his promise to answer? If you are experiencing doubt, then ask Jesus to help you with your unbelief. Repent of your sin of unbelief. And believe me, you are not alone, because if we're honest, every one of us here this morning at one time or another has dealt with doubt and maybe a tad bit of unbelief. James 5 16 says that when we get ourselves right this is what happens. The effective prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. When we are right with God our prayers when we are righteous with God our prayers are effective. Maybe your prayers have the wrong motives to it. Maybe it's because your prayer actually is hidden in your own glory-seeking than God's glory-seeking. James 4.3 says this, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Theologian William Barclay says this, No person, for instance, could pray for personal revenge, for personal ambition, for some unworthy or unchristian object in the name of Jesus. When we pray, and hear this, when we pray, we must always ask, can we honestly make this prayer in the name of Jesus? This prayer which can stand the test of that consideration in which at the end says, thy will be done, is always answered. But the prayer based on self can never be expected to be granted. That is a great truth because true prayer takes great faith. It is taking something you realize that you cannot do yourself or a situation that you're in that you cannot fix yourself and you go to the throne room of God and you lay it down before him fully faithful that he will answer it And then you have the trust in him, the faith in him to let it go and trust that God will answer it perfectly in his will, whether that answer is yes or no or later. Do you have that kind of faith when you pray? Am I really screwing up your prayer life this morning? I hope so, because as a church, I want us to be better and more effective prayers I want us to understand what it is that Jesus is telling us. So when you pray, when you get ready to pray, ask in your prayer, be prayed, thy will be done. And we can look to Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane when he asked the Father if you would take this cup from me. But he didn't say, do it because it's my will. He said, but your will be done. That was the cup that took Jesus to the cross to die for our sins on our behalf. Jesus understood what it meant to succumb to the Father's will. And if he does, then we should too. Sometimes when prayers that we have that are, when we're in our suffering and pain and loss, that there's something that we need to be, we need to learn before God releases us and our prayers are answered. That our faith, may need to be expanded, that we need to learn something about Him that we didn't know before. And I realize that, you know, that may not be the answer that all of us want to have this morning because I know that some of us here today have been praying for certain things for a long time. And seemingly God has not answered it yet. I wish I had an answer for every prayer that we pray That God has delayed. But I don't. But I do know this. That whatever it is that God is putting you through. Whatever it is that you continue to pray to him for relief. Or healing. Or whatever. We pray it for his glory. And his glory is for you. To love him more. And to be made more into his image. And based on today's text, I tell you, do not give up. Do not give up. We have Jesus' promise. Persevere like Hannah persevered when she was barren, and eventually God allowed her to have a son, and his name was Samuel. Or Sarah, who was barren until she was 90 years old, and she finally gave birth to Isaac, To fulfill the great promise that God made to Abraham. Keep our minds focused that the greater good is the glory of God. Jesus did. He said that the reason why I'm doing this is for the glory of the Father. So that the Son may be glorified. Well, actually, what did he say? (laughs) Sorry that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The greater good is God's glory and not our glory, our trust and our faith in him. I want to end with this quote from A.W. Tozer. He says this about his prayer life. He says, sometimes I go to God and say, God, If you don't ever answer another prayer while I live on this earth, I will still worship you as long as I live and in the ages to come for what you have done already. God's already put me so far in debt that if I were to live one million millenniums, I couldn't pay him for what he's already done for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God, for the power of your word. I praise you for the promise that we have, that we will do greater works than you, not because it's more spectacular, Lord, but because we are going to save more souls. And Lord, we're going to do it because we can come to you and ask you to help us for the things that we need to accomplish that in your holy name and with your guarantee, Lord, that you will answer those prayers and do it. And Lord, I pray for this morning that if there's someone here this morning who maybe does not have a relationship with you, maybe has not put their belief in you yet, I pray, God, that you would help them to do that this morning. Lord God, that your spirit would enter into their souls and convict them of their sins and turn their faces to you so that their lives would be changed and they could live these promises that you gave us in your word this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hey, buddy. Thank you. Hey, <laughs> <sighs>